Welcome to another episode of Real Dad Movement Podcast. The point and purpose of these episodes, as always, is to have a point and purpose towards helping you win the second half in life by building a path of becoming the best father, husband, man and member of your community that you can be. We do this with various ways of connecting. Life is connection. And as you hear these words spoken time and time again, know that the driving force of connection in life is energy. Which means that how you turn up as a father, as a husband, as a valued member of society, will always start and end with how you turn up as a man within yourself first. This is why it's my mission, my purpose, our mission, our purpose, through Real Dad Movement to inspire, motivate, educate and guide you into thoughts, feelings, actions and a change in your belief systems to rise up, cut the shit from your life, and live and leave a real legacy. When dads win, everyone wins. And when you win, I win. Let's get moving forward, mate. Right here, right now. Welcome to another special edition in our podcast episode reason why it's special is because we have a special guest with us today. We've got Mr. Nathan Hitchcock. Hello, sir. Welcome. How are you, mate? Yeah, great, man. Good good to have you on. Um, I'm excited for this episode. Um, We're going to be diving into Nathan's story. Nathan's been a member with HPF for several months, probably somewhere between the maybe four, three to to six months. Jesus, mate, that's um, – yeah. Some, some, somewhere in between there. We know everything. You've got your own special, unique membership number and all that, mate. So you, you, uh, <laughs> we, we definitely uh, we definitely know when, when you join and, and it's written in history and, and seared into the history books. But it's, it's just a crazy year, man. It's, it's literally gone that fucking fast. I'm like, mate, I, you know, it feels like we've done a lot together, Nathan. Obviously, we're going we're gonna to dive into yourself, your story and where you've come from. But also, um, it's crazy because when we talk about that, yeah, Nate's been with us for four or five months. It's um. We're at the stage now where, I mean, I've had fathers and I've worked with for years, but in terms of the online format and space, what we're doing, we've had dads with us for, you know, coming up to four years now, which is pretty cool, man, to to have um that longevity to the point where, mate, I don't know if um if you've ever heard us talk about it, but yeah, we, we have member for life programs and that sort of stuff, which is which yeah, is yeah. crazy, man. That, that's, um, the goal. that's the goal in the end. Yeah, you absolutely are, mate. You, you're an absolute statesman of the, of, of the tribe right now and, Nathan's actually probably the the man. There were a couple of mem- no, one or two other members who were using it at the stage, but uh, Nathan is uh, very unique and specific in his role and what he does in the education uh, industry. And you know, he also runs his own his own gym, which is pretty special and also quite quite crazy. Um, you know, married man with three boys. Three boys, yeah, yeah. We three Earthside, mate. We've um, we've had four. Um, and um, I'll, I'll touch on that a bit later. But, uh, yeah, look, um, little Lucas up in uh, heaven, and, uh, look, I, I'll always talk about him, mate, always talk about him. So, yeah, yeah, I'll touch on that later, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's um, it's very special, a lot of the stuff you've shared with me and with us and with the tribe, and, and you know, I, I see a true leader who wears his heart in his sleeve when I when I see you, Nath, which is why I refer to you, even though you might not have been here as long as some of the, the older guys, as, as a true leader and also an innovator. Like you, you fucking love what we do, man, and you live and breathe it, and you've applied 
a lot of a lot of the things that you've done inside of not only the education and some tools, especially around parenting, which has been fucking awesome, and but also you know hand, handling and, and helping and guiding children, but also mate, you know, with with the my zone and the introduction of something that I think is just already, even though we're officially launching in January, all the dads are getting geared up with it, but. The way that we're gamifying, uh, you know, the the fitness component, which we refer to as, as you know, our energy pillar, but getting that primal power back, mate, it's epic. The boys are going crazy. We got guys who are like going on, on rides and they're getting fucking seven to nine hundred meps and they're wow. getting all these these points and, and and I'm like I'm doing a strength session and I'm getting like fucking sixty. I'm like, well, what's going on? I'm being left behind. I, you know, I feel like I'm going to live up to this. So. It's one of those things when you suggest it, like you, you better make sure you, you bring your A game as well. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's been awesome. I, I think, you know, to have – this is the thing that I want to let you guys watching or before we dive into Nathan and I stop talking for a while. Um, this is this is what I love, you know. Our, our, our tribe is full of leaders. You know, the men that take the step when – I, when I crunch the numbers, man, I'm going to talk about this with, with other events that we run, but – the guys that take that step and commit and do this, not that you're not a high performance father if you don't, but for what it, what it takes for a man to, to actually take that step is, you know, it's less than less than 1%, mate, of of actually moving through life. When, when we're looking as a whole, it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. People have choices, but moving through a whole, it's, it's less than one, it's probably less than half a percent of guys who are like, you know what, I'm proud, I've done good, I want to do great. I'm, you know, I'm good in this area of life. I want to improve this area of life. I want it all out. And that's what we really, that's what we really gauge to coin that term, uh, high performance father. You know, are you are you succeeding in family and self and service? What does that success look like for you? What are the standards of those success across all three? Not just one. You can't have one sky high and the other one none and be like, oh, that success makes up for the other one that isn't, that doesn't work that way. And you, you know that, man. But you're all you're all in a way pioneering this with with me and with us together. It, you know the podcast episodes that that I create individually when I don't do interviews, uh, they're off the ideas of the dads in the group you know, and then the stuff that I learn. But that's why I'm excited to dive into this, man, because you, you've obviously had a, a wealth of life experience and and many different paths to navigate. You know, in all areas, but I'd love for you to just open up and and share a bit of your background, your history, and your story, mate. And then also, like I said, why you, before we hit record, why you've somehow confused and there's not a Panthers jersey on the back wall, there's a Canberra Raiders one, but that's all right. Yeah. We'll get into that. Absolutely, absolutely, mad Raiders fan. Um, but yeah, look, um, have been since I was five. Actually, uh, I remember sitting out on the the um, oh, it was the lawn at Seaford Oval in Queanbeyan, uh, where the Raiders were founded, uh, and um, yeah, watching Mel Meninga you know, break his arm on the, the, the goalposts and absolutely heartbroken, you know. So, um, yeah, but like seeing your hero, um, I will say he is, um, you know, someone I hold in high regard, big Mel, um, you know, hurt himself. Um, as a young fella, I, I remember tearing up. So, look, it was, um, yeah, back in those days, uh, very confronting. But, yeah, look, I'll start off by... Yeah, saying thanks for having me and um, yeah, thanks to all the other fathers too that will listen to this. Uh, you know, it's um, it's a great, great, you know, podcast to, to listen to, the um, RDM podcast, but also just to hear anyone, everyone's stories is, is uh, it really is motivating and helps me, you know, um, be accountable to myself. Um, but, you know, hear some ideas here and there and um, it's just terrific. So... Um, but yeah, mate, I'll kick off by, by saying, look, I'm a, I'm a Canberra boy, um, have, have been, you know, um, since I was born, um, 
I was born in the Canberra Hospital, the new Canberra Hospital, not the old one that we was blown up and uh, there was a big issues with that in Canberra. But, um, yeah, we ended up, uh, I grew up on the south side of Canberra down in Monash uh, and, and uh, yeah, went to Monash Primary. Uh, look, I grew up with a group of boys and, and friends that we're still friends today since we were, you know, mates in kindergarten and, and they're very special to me. Um, you know, we... We're all mad Raiders fans and, and you know, love a bit of a punt and, you know, um, you know get on a house on fire when we're together. And, and for me, they're true friends because, you know, nothing changes if you haven't seen them in so long and everyone's just real keen to catch up. So, yeah, grew up down there, down south. And, mate, um, was massive on footy as a kid. Um, you know, we used to play 21 questions, uh, me and the boys, and, and uh, I'd always be the winner because... I knew every player, the statistics. It was kind of like a little Dave Middleton running around, you know, um, you know, back in the day. Um, that's changed now a little bit. Um, but, yeah, look, we, uh, you know, we're, we're rugby league mad and uh, we're also cricket mad. So I played a, played a, lot, of, um, a lot of footy and a lot of, lot of cricket as a young bloke. Um, I was a, it was a bit weird my way I played cricket. I was a, an opening batsman and a fast bowler. So um, maybe a bit, a bit like um, um, Watson, Sean Watson, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So definitely not like, yeah, definitely not like him in a sense. Um, mate, I'd, I'd be out there uh, forever. I hardly made a run and just, yeah, good, you know, good on the front forward defensive. Uh, and everyone else made the runs around me. I was just, I was the brick, um, you know, when I was batting and, and I ended up, yeah, Eventually, uh, they didn't like that, so they put me down the order a little bit. But um, yeah, I ended up bowling and and would uh, good line and length and you know, fast bowl. But um, as a kid, I uh, you know really loved playing cricket. I was down the nets forever, and you know with the fellas and and uh, my dad. Um, my dad was a, a first grade cricketer in Maitland. Um, he was a, a an all rounder actually, uh, and cricket mad. I loved it. Um, he was footy mad as well. Um, played some footy up up there as uh, as a pumpkin picker, um, you know, which was was awesome. But yeah, look, uh, very very big on sport as a young bloke. And in the end, um, you know, I got to high school and uh, went in and uh, kind of dabbled in other areas. And and um, yeah, I was I remember, I remember actually saying I think I think you were saying at one of the the charge-ups, like, you know, say something that you did in high school that was kind of you find astounding or something along those lines. And, and I, I jumped a metre 80, metre 82 in high jump, um, which is my height, um, one one year. And um, funny enough, I came second. I uh, didn't win that. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was, I was heartbroken. Um, went, to, went to state for it and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, um, if I was a, born a year earlier or a year later, I would have, would have you know, absolutely shitted in uh, with the first place. So this kid that, you know, you meet these kids uh, that, yeah, you go to school with some are just freaks, you know, and I thought I thought I had it in the bag, but I did it in the end. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I got to the end of high school and, um, um, look, my sisters played softball. This is where, you know, the sports you love I found as a young bloke Growing up, um, with the sports I was I kind of average at. I wasn't, you know, the, the best footy player of all time. I played 5'8 and fullback and had a good kick and that kind of stuff on me. But 
look, I didn't play junior reps or anything. And, um, yeah, my sisters played softball and, and I would go along to their, you know, their games. And mum actually floated the idea with me and said, oh, look, we, you know, do you want to have a, have a go at softball? And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll play three sports, you know, and see how it goes. And, um, mate, they pretty pretty much saw something in me as a softballer uh, back in the day that, you know, when I was 16 and uh, probably 15 actually. But, yeah, I went on to, to you know, represent, um, you know, many different teams and, and um, yeah, uh, played a lot of state-level softball, uh, a lot of A-grade softball um, and, and played with a whole lot of um, – really like high performance athletes in the end uh softball in in canberra was is a pretty big sport uh so we we, you know up at hawker we head up there and we'd spend all weekend there and um you know i started at centerfield and and then had a bit of a go at pitching and um also at third base um but yeah they ended up you know asking me to to pitch a bit more in in a grade and mate i could you know Chuck a pitch under arm at, you know, I think I got clocked at 116, 117 yeah. an hour. Um, yeah, yeah, so big long levers. Um, and that was that was good, but I just loved kind of the biomechanics and the manipulation on the ball and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, really I'm telling you the sports stuff because I was sports mad, really kind of sports mad. And, um, discovered girls that I'd probably say at the end of high school. Um, had a long-term girlfriend for a while there, and we, you know, we were in, in the ACT system. We we have um, uh, high school finishes in year ten, and and then I went off to college for year eleven and twelve, and went off to to Arendelle there and um, Arendelle College uh, for the sports program. And, and something kind of happened there where I just realised it wasn't where I wanted to be. You know, like I love playing sport and I love being you know involved in sport and. A whole lot of stuff but it just for me like I wasn't getting anywhere when it came to it wasn't I think the penny drop moment was it wasn't going to make me the money that I you know would need to get by as, a, as an adult in society so I sacrificed a few things and um, um, you know tried to concentrate on especially in year 12 on my academics to improve what was back then a, a TER to get into university um, and I remember the funniest thing, Al, I was, I was filling out my university um, kind of application to, to, you know, be drafted into whatever uni it was. Um, and and the, the funny thing happened where I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I had no idea. So I had to list 10 things and I thought I'd, I'd, maybe I'd like to be a physio. So I put that down as number one and, that was my, in the end, I suppose it would have been my dream job and really thankful I didn't do it. I'm really thankful I didn't get into to physio. I was probably 15 points short of it anyway, so there was no chance. Um, but then my second thing was PE teaching. And I put down a, you know, PE teaching and I actually didn't get into PE teaching either, but I did get my third pick and that was primary teaching. So, mate, off I trotted to, to um, Australian Catholic Uni. I, was, um, I went through public school through public schools and then went to the Catholic Union. It was a it was the best experience I've ever kind of you know, gone through with education because it gave me a perspective of, of you know a different system. Um, it made me think like you know um, um, along the lines of, of um, you know it doesn't really matter 
you know, what kind of institution it's, it's labelled with or what it's labelled as, as long as you make the most of the opportunities when you're there. And, and I sure did that. I, I went off and I did a couple of years as a primary teacher um, at uni um, and, and I got to my third year and I transferred across to um, University of Canberra to do PE teaching and but I got cold feet. I got cold feet in that um, and I actually didn't start it. I came back to Australian Catholic Uni and thought, no, I'm just going to stick this out and be a primary teacher and, and that's what happened. I, um, I graduated, um, you know, primary teaching in, in um, 04, 2004 and uh, it was it was cracking. I, I really loved it. Um, I loved all the the pracs I, I did, and made, um you know we were. We, I remember doing a kind of a couple of rural pracs. One was out at Lake Cajeligo, um, where where everything. Oh shit! I just got a cramp. Um, where everything was um, need some magnesium. Um, yeah, so it, it was all uh, red dirt out out there, and and um, water capacity building kind of experience to go out there and have a bit of a dig. Um, and then I went down to Ulladulla Public School and, and that was cracking too and that kind of reinvigorated my love for the coast um, and, um, you know, kind of getting on the beach and a bit of fun. Uh, but, yeah, look, uh, I, I was appointed a, as a, a primary teacher down south, so not too far from where I grew up um, in Canberra and um, actually in my, I'll come back in my, in my fourth year at uni um, I met my um, my first wife actually, so I'm I'm divorced and remarried, um, and I met met a, you know, her at uni and and uh, you know kind of acted a bit quickly and you know we ended up mum um, and dad separated around that period as well and things moved fast and I ended up you know um, you know going to to live with her in my first year as a teacher, uh, but but with her parents. And look, that was that was great, um, but you know things in in that relationship went a bit bit south, a bit sour, um, and you know I I learned um, how to be resilient, uh, very much so. When uh, I was knocked down massively, I remember you know huge emotional kind of breakdowns and and um, you know things that that I wouldn't expect you know, from myself right now with the wisdom and, and age that I've got. Um, but, yeah, look, it was a probably a, a kind of a period in my life that uh, I remember. Uh, I remember it vividly, but I also remember it for, for the good things and, and as well, like, you know, I'm very um, – I, I feel gracious for that time um, because if it wasn't for – uh, the universe and the universe speaking in the way it did at that period in my life, uh, I wouldn't be where I am now um, and I wouldn't have the lovely family I have and, and you know, my four boys and, and my, my wife, um, that wouldn't be what, what I have, you know. And So I'm kind of thankful it happened, you know. And so I went through that, which was a real tricky period in my life. Um, I lost all self-confidence, uh, absolutely just, you know, rock bottom kind of stuff. Um probably not quite rock bottom, but, you know, was was really down. So, and my, one of my best mates, Robbie, he said to me, he said, oh, Nath, um, you know, I can see you, you're, you're really upset. And I think he said this just tongue in cheek, it was, but I took him up on the offer and he said, mate, if you want to travel, I'll travel with you. And um, I contacted him a couple of weeks after, um, you know, the separation. And I said, mate, let's do it. And he said, oh, are you serious? I was like, yep. 
So, mate, we booked a, a trip to um, um, America and Canada um, and off we went for six weeks. Uh, one of my other mates, literally two days before we were about to go, um, he broke up with his missus and he decided to jump on as well. So three of us went off and, mate, I, I rediscovered who I was on that trip. Um, I rediscovered, you know, my confidence and my esteem um, and that that I could overcome, you know, obstacles and roadblocks that were really large ones. Um, the capacity that I, you know, um, was able to build, um, I remember crying myself to sleep over there and, you know, having little breakdowns and then maybe we'd, we'd head off to a bar and, you know, there'd be this absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, you know, blonde Canadian that had come up and, you know, think I was hot shit. But, uh, in, in fact, you know, they were just interested in my accent or something like that. So, um, so we, um, you know, we, we had, a, had a blast doing that. And I came back and um, I decided to, to, you know, get on with things, with life and, um, you know, and, and um, not really – concern myself with the past um, and, and really look to where I was in the present and then the future was where I wanted to be. Um, and I made the decision to you know, go back to the school that um, I started at um, and um, speak to the principal there. And I said to the principal, look, um, you know, are you interested in, because uh, my, my time was up at the school, you do five years roughly at each school that you, you're appointed at and they try and move you on so you don't get stale. Is really the, the theory behind it. Um, and, yeah, look, I, I approached the, the principal and said, how about you keep me on for a couple more years um, on the proviso that you give me a PE class um, as well as teaching primary. And at that, that point I had uh, year six. I was teaching year six at the senior campus uh, at the school. Uh, they brought the, the, you know, year six class over there. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, ended up um, at that point, you know, um, I got to the, the senior campus and I was really thankful because um, when I got there, this absolutely gorgeous blonde lady walked through the door and uh, she was a contract teacher um, by the name of Claire. Um, and I'd met her before. I remember meeting her down at the snow um, with another teacher and um, she'd been appointed to, you know, uh, teach year six PE. Um, and it was pretty funny how I ended up someone that uh, one of the executive teachers there, I was an exec teacher at the time. Um, they said, Oh, who'd like to, to mentor Claire? And mate, my hand went up, like, you know, nearly through the roof, I think. So um, and I stuck my hand up. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it on Keen. Um, and then, you know, they went and asked Claire, and Claire was like, Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And anyway, so I positioned myself quite well. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I suppose the, the short of it was that, um, yeah, Claire's my wife now. Um, so I was able to, to do quite well there. And, uh, look, we met, we met at the school and, um, she's a teacher as well. And she's a very considerate, um, and, and quite reflective teacher. Um, and that's carried through into our boys, you know, as well, which is, is brilliant. Um, you know, and, and absolutely love her to pieces. Uh, it's it's been a journey um, with her, and we, we you know we're we're still on that journey. Um, but I, I remember getting to you know that that high school, and, and I was you know teaching that that PE class, and you know, learning from Claire as well. Like we go in and observe each other, and you know, um, in more more than one way, I think um, you know that, that was happening. So, um, and then you know. Um, 
yeah, we we talk about practice and you know what how we could you know, get the best out of the adolescence. The school we were at was a low socioeconomic school, and you know we had a lot of kids that were uh, impacted by trauma, um, you know, impacted by poverty um, and, and other things. And we we go above and beyond and really help the community, you know. And um, that's what I loved about you know that school and you know staff kind of bonded together and and then you know Claire was there too, which was another bonus. I remember one day I dropped Claire a, an email and I said to her, I was just interested to travel again. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to see if she wants to travel with me. And I dropped her an email, which was a, um, a Union Jack, just a British flag, um, and the Canadian flag because I wanted to go back to Canada or I hadn't actually finished it in, in Canada um, with a question mark. And, and she responded 100%. Uh, you know, you know the, the travel we had was um, planned for 2011. So we decided to we jetted off. Uh, we spent a year in London, uh, lived and worked in London for a year um, as, as teachers, and uh, we went through um, amazingly forty six cities and twenty six countries in in twelve months. Wow! So mate, we hopped around, and yeah, I had a bit of a loan to dad and mum when I got back. Um, needed to needed to clear that up, but uh, we did really well, did really well, and we taught in some very interesting schools over there. Um, yeah, kids uh, that are here that I, I currently work with, uh, you know, um, they, they don't know how good they've got it. They really don't. You know, it's it's amazing that you know um, some of the stuff you kind of opens your eyes when you travel. And you know, we went over and we had a great time. Had a great time, and mate, we got about halfway through that trip, and I remember vividly a, a bit of uh, an argument and uh, that we had, and it was about IQ actually, and. One of the um, housemates we had asked asked me to do an IQ test, and I didn't realise at this time that people could be quite manipulative, and and um, I didn't realise that this this particular housemate didn't like Claire, um, and and she, this this person positioned me to do a an IQ test, and mate, I did an IQ test, and um, I was quite happy with my result, um, and then um, you know Claire was asked to do one as well, and I thought. You know, well, here we go. This is getting a little bit tricky, and and Claire got you know a, a good result too, but it wasn't um, it wasn't high as the other housemates one. And and look, we were all around the same marker anyway. It wasn't anything too huge in any way of difference. But this housemate then you know put a lot of a lot of shit on Claire, and um, you know um, in the end it it was a something that nearly broke us apart something that was you know very co- confronting for her and um we toughed it out uh, i remember you know about two week period of her wanting to go home and you know i, I decided so i said to her let's go jump on a boat and we'll go to croatia and um we really kind of you know rebond re- reconnected and bonded there um you know the after that we, we came home um you know in in 2012 and um yeah we had a whole lot of stuff happen in between 2012 and you know, the current day uh we we bought houses together uh we've done a whole heap you know and um you've know, had four boys mate um you know over the period from 2015 onwards got married in 2014 um which was a beautiful wedding um, out of Poacher's Pantry in Canberra. If you ever come down to Canberra, make sure you go to Poacher's Pantry. Um, absolute ripper place to have breakfast. Uh, but we, yeah, we had had um, our wedding there, and and then our little uh, firstborn Bo. He was born in 
um, yeah, 2015. Um, we then had had Fletcher um, a little bit later in 2017. Um, yeah, then then Luca came along, um, and yeah, look, um, this is this is the story about Luca. So you know, Luca was um, our third born, um, and, and you know, we were very excited to have a another boy. We've got you know a front row. We were thought we'd have you know two props and a hooker. Um, and in the end, um, yeah, we went out for our 12-week scan and our 12-week scan was you know, all good um, and got to our, our um, you know, eight weeks later, we had our 20-week scan and we were a bit late on it. We did about a 21-week scan um, and discovered that, yeah, Luca um, was quite unwell uh, and, and uh, look, you know, I remember doing our comp, our, our um, initial call, Alan, and talking to you about this one. And um, I think you know this this was a bit of a, a moment of undoing, you know, again, or a, a kind of a trough in my relationship, in our relationship, sorry, with Claire and myself. Um, but Luca um, ended up having um, uh, an open spina bifida, uh, which was a, a quite a large kind of lesion on his back, and. Um, yeah, he ended up, you know, not making it uh, at around that 21, 22 week point, um, which then, you know, we we had to kind of overcome, to be honest, and and um, grow from, uh, which was a a big experience to to have to kind of, you know, for me, you know, um, say your own son's eulogy, um, you know, kind of your, your kids are meant to outlive you. Um, and and uh, it doesn't happen sometimes. And you know, um, the the trickiest part of that was uh, how to actually navigate, you know, the whole process and really what went on. Um, and uh, look, if I can give any advice to anybody when it comes to to grief, is to never bury it. Um, once you bury it, you, it comes back to bite you in the ass. And um, you know, and and in the end, um, what what happened was that. I did bury it, um, and I'm 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 okay saying that. I'm a bit disappointed in myself because I have very high expectations in myself, and but I didn't know what to do. And what I did know was how to support Claire, and well, best as I think you know, I thought I could. So I focused on you know getting on with things with with Fletcher and Bo, and really kind of kicking on, um, and didn't really deal with my grief, and and but Claire did, and you know she was seeing a grief counsellor about. You know, multiple different things and, um, you know, trying to o- overcome that adversity. Um, and and I was, mate, I was just, you know, I didn't really want to talk about it. I kind of buried it, you know, and um, and then uh, Claire, you know, kind of got to the end of that um, period of, of the grief and was able to, you know, kind of accept what had gone on and, and, and you know, what had happened. Um, and and I then started to grieve. So at that point, um, mate, that's um, you know roughly when I um, contacted you, Al, and, and uh, you know I ended up you know, talking to you. You know, it was in in um, it was only this year, but you know between I, I kind of say, um, oh gee, we. What do you reckon? It would have been four months ago that I'd spoken to you, maybe maybe five months ago. Yeah, um, you know, um, in between, you know, the initial call that I had with you um, and and the death of Luca, um, like I said, I'd suppressed it all, and 
we ended up having another boy in that time as well by the name of Sonny. Um, and, and yeah, mate, he's a beast, um, absolute beast. Of, uh, he reminds me of the, the Tassie Devil, Looney Tunes, you know, um, oh, unreal. Like him, he, he could throw a, a barbell over his head, I reckon. Um, like, you know, he's, he's just, you know, full on. And, and um, he was a good combination of both, you know, Luca, um, Bo, and Fletcher. Um, and he's our rainbow baby. We talk about rainbow babies, the baby after a baby passes away. Um, so he's our little fella who's our rainbow. And um, I named him, called him Sonny, um, rainbow for, for sunshine, that kind of stuff. Uh, but as well, you know, thought he'd be a bit like Sonny Liston or Sonny Bill, um, you know, bit of a beast. Um, and, yeah, look, um, so things were busy around that, you know, when he was born and, you know, he's only, he's only one and a half, nearly, he's probably nearly two now, but look, um, you know, uh, would have been around when he was one that, that I started heavily grieving and, and, you know, not, not communicating and not talking to Claire about, you know, life and, and how I felt and, um, why I was doing things, um, and, and, you know, why I was reacting in a certain way, um, throughout the, that kind of you know, grief period, we had a lot of uh, close family and friends leave our lives, um, which was unfortunate. They just didn't know how to support us. Um, and, you know, that, that's very common. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm proud to say, uh, you know, at this point, um, usually after the death of a baby, um, it's very also very common for a divorce to occur. And uh, we're not there. We, we're still together. Um, and, and that's um, something I reflect upon a fair bit and I'm, I'm quite proud of. So, um, yeah, and then yeah, take, take me fast forward. I remember uh, being down the south coast. Um, we'd just bought a house um, down at Browlee. Um, and Browlee's a cracking spot if you haven't been there, but yeah, we bought an apartment down there, uh, kind of a townie, actually, a townhouse that overlooks the water um, and absolute bargain. Picked it up at absolute bottom price. Um, we've been renoing it a fair bit recently, but yeah, we ended up. Um, I was down there and I was I was googling um, uh, fathers groups, dads groups, you know, um, uh, places to to help fathers around you know um, emotion and and you know um, how to be a good dad and all of those different you know kind of search terms that that popped up and um, that you think of and, and I remember doing it and uh, I found you mate I found found RDM and. Um, I was a bit, a bit kind of apprehensive. I was very nervous to, to reach out um, just because I, I didn't know what, you know, what would come of it. Um, but it was the grief, Al, that I didn't want to want to talk about, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, ended up um, booking a consult with you and, and um, mate, we're here today. Like uh, in between the consult and now um, I've uh, reconnected with uh, Red Nose um, and I do grief counselling once a month uh, with a lovely lady called Sarah. Um, and, yeah, look, um, you know, I've had to navigate a lot, you know, myself uh, when it comes to, to the grief and, um, you know, I, I'm accepting of where I'm at um, and where we're at when it comes to, to our four boys and, and our life to this state. And, um, but I'm just proud. I'm proud that, you know, um, of overcoming things and, and the resilience that we've shown as a family, um, but also the journey that I've had. And, um, 
yeah, um, it's all about the journey. It's not about the destination. And, you know, I think um, that that kind of, that quote, um, you know, I've heard many a time in, in RDM is, is uh, really kind of resonates with me, um, you know, about the journey. So, um, yeah, I suppose there you go. What's that worth? About 30 minutes? Here we go. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just kicking back and, and really um really taking in what was a very powerful share, man. Like that was um yeah yeah appreciate the the share, Nathan, and and you know opening up like that as well. I mean, huge huge life experiences, man. Like traveling around, um, you know, yes, a love and a passion for sport, but then navigating what the next phase of your life would look like as you move into your twenties, and then fatherhood, and then they. Uh, you know, to to experience what you experienced with with Claire, it's it's really tough, man. Like, it, yeah. it, this is why, um, you know, and then you've you're, you're amazing on the inside. We we fucking love having you on the inside, mate. But this is why it's, you know, I, I see, I see two sort of extremes, mate. When when we're in this day and age right here and now, I see a lot of the old guard and 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 you and me are, you know. Uh, even the cricket as well. I grew up playing cricket too, man. Couldn't fast bowl, but I could open the batting. I was the brick as well. I couldn't get I'm through. Paying, I'm paying for it now. I was, uh, yeah, anterior tilt, lower back issues. But I was like, um, um, was it Malinga the slinger from Sri Lanka? <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. Could throw it down. Bit erratic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's brutal when you look at the mechanics of a, of a fast bowler. But, um I remember one year I was just I was the blocker. I didn't get out all year, and so I technically didn't get an average. But essentially, your average is your total runs, and so yeah. I won the local club award, but didn't go past the, the state. But uh, it's um looking at the old the old school, right? Having that real fucking spine that that's that's something that I think is very valued and needed in today's world. Um, but unfortunately, what comes with that at, at such a, a tough exterior extreme is a lack of opening up of expressing emotions of holding on to a toxicity inside a poison if you will man it, which is probably and i'm sure you know i'll ask you in a second about mm-hmm. you know grief and, and your thoughts around that but it is you know if, if there's no opportunity to express uh, things fester and then manifest and then it, it would be like a like a cancer with, with any form of um you know, um, suppressing of of emotions and, and beliefs, especially from trauma and experiences. But then I look at the, there's nothing against millennials or young people. I just look at a lot of the new age shit, especially with a lot of the different types. And I understand that there may be needs for it in points with things like political correctness. But ultimately, there's people who are just, they don't have a spine at all and they're just, everything's just fucking just gets blurted out and it's like well do you even know that have you even reflect that is it is that even a reality or is it someone who's just living in a world of feelings and fantasy and what i love man is it's like our viking and panda episode right we have a great sweet spot where it's necessary to check yourself and then use and leverage a, a true and genuine environment to check in on yourself and check in with yourself with with others and credit to you man for for you know really opening up and doing that because so many men would, would be broken inside or, or too proud or, or, you know, that yeah. light bulb moment might be 25 years later, but it's just fucking cut them in half, man. And when that time comes, it, it comes. But how many how many, how many guys, how many fathers do you think out there, mate, you know, are, are, are suppressing emotions or, or, you know, really pulling back and trying to be that tough, whether it's for the family and do this and that and, and you know, be brave and, and do it for them and sacrifice. And that, that's a common thing that we – I guess we fight against. It's not that we don't 
acknowledge their efforts, but it's not a great thing, man, because you can't be 100% if you're doing that. But what do you think? Do you think that's a common thing through fathers of today? And what is that? What is it? What do you think that becomes, mate, down the track in their 40s and 50s if they keep keep all of that tucked away? Well, look, I don't, I'd say nearly every father suppresses emotion. Um, I think, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of blokes are described as grumpy and angry. Um, and and they're, the, they're the two kind of emotions that, that a lot of fellas express and show. Um, but there's a lot more to, you know, um, the human body than anger and, and being grumpy, you know what I mean? And um, really when it comes down to it, we're all humans and we all feel and um, it is important to, to, to talk about things. And look, um, the, you know, there's a, there's a company down here in Canberra here called Men's Link and um, they're the most amazing company. They're kind of they support you know young boys and and young and men to to really follow the the idea that it and and they say this in their their promotional material that it it ain't weak to speak, you know, and it's um it's huge and they, and uh, I kind of I would really love to see more more guys talk about how they feel. Um, but importantly, um, they need to look at the function of, of why they feel that way. Um, and, and look, in my role as a, as a high school um, leader, um, I talk about function of behaviour um, and, and why we do things the way we do. And, and often it's, it can be, you know, um, you know, emotional connection to something. It could be that, you know, you, you have a trigger or something along those lines and and it's um yeah it's it's important to look at the function of things and you know on the flip of that al it's it's also it's important to look at the the function of what may be if you don't actually take action on on um expressing yourself um and and that is essentially it's death like when you think about it um you know if you don't um if you bottle things up and you continue and you, to do that you're not going to live that longer life and that that fulfilled life is what I think anyway. I kind of, you want to, you know, have that um, release um, and, and feel relieved um, about, you know, emotion because if you don't um, have that, that has a physiological effect on your body and, you know, that, that's called stress and stress can result in many different things. And, um, yeah, look, um, I actually think it's the, the major contributor to male suicide um, is that we suppress our emotions, um, and that's why men um, have a higher rate of suicide than women. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It's um, it's very tough, and I think if you couple that, maybe maybe on purpose, maybe not. I, I don't think it's a it's a direct thing, but also there are plenty of times when men get get the fucking short end of the stick. But ultimately, as a whole, I think all the individual parts that make our culture and society what it is, definitely, uh, you know, on, on a lot of averages, it leaves us, it leaves us, you know, isolated or alone or high and dry. Look, things things are changing, the support groups, there's things like what you mentioned, men's link, that sounds amazing. Like there's, there are things that are building, but still exponentially or ratio-wise, <laughs> it's been a... You know, it's it's been a tough trot for 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 men for a long time in ways that people wouldn't even know because of what you said. It's suppressed or it's 
it's a stat, but maybe it's a stat that isn't spoken about or addressed or, you know, you know, with, with things like suicide, it's tough, man. And I, you know, it's, it's not about getting into, uh, I guess, opinions, but even when I look at things like, I see a lot of terms, especially sometimes from Hollywood thrown around with this, things like toxic masculinity and whatnot. I'm like, fuck mate, who's, who's that really helping? Like it, you know, men, there are a lot of men there that are fucking suffering in silence, man. Like they, they really are. And, you know, you want to talk toxicity. If you're a shit human, you're a shit human, whether you're male, female, it doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant. So I, I see that man. And, and I completely agree with you. These, these men almost feel like they can't have a voice because there, there is, and maybe it's just, it's thick enough you can cut it with a knife, but, you know, in yeah. terms of, of, of awareness, but, um, Maybe it isn't on purpose, but it certainly is there where you feel this. There's just this air of no, no, no. You, you're a fucking man. You don't. You, know, you should just do this or that. And then also, this is this is what frustrates me. Like, take away things like feminism, and whatnot. How about we just focus on ourselves and go? You know what? What? What about the either the whether it's a a workplace or a work site or a group of mates or where there's there's men that are fucking doing themselves in, you know, because they are calling each other pussies and this and that and don't cry and all that. So unfortunately, the hard part is, man, a lot of the times um, you get in the wrong environment, the wrong groups, uh, guys fucking put it over each other, you know, to see who the alpha is. It's like if you're really a fucking alpha, you don't need to say it, right? Yeah. And and then these guys think it's tongue-in-cheek and they hide behind human, they go behind closed doors and they fucking fall apart. Yeah, and that's that's one thing, man. A good about the group, you know, RDM, and is that we don't play who can piss the furthest, you know. And and mate, that that's one of the major major attractions uh, for I, I believe the the men in the group is that what a safe and supportive community, you know, to to be part of. And you know, the, there is no poison, there is no you know um, negativity. It's all about what what is possible and. You know the you know um, um, kind of growth coaching uh, approach that, that you know you guys take as a team and look um, you know for me it's that that's important. Uh, blokes have got to feel safe and supported, but maybe we'll just take it out. Let's take gender out of it and just say that people need to feel safe and supported. You know, and it's all about humans being you know great humans and supporting one another. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I went to the resilience project the other night and uh, one of the major takeaways was that um, the, the presenter, um, his name was Hugh, he, um, he yeah, like um, he was talking about if you want a certain behaviour uh, to occur more regularly, you, you need to model it um, and that you know, when you model something that you're after um, um, or really how you behave, it's in the end... Um, you know, other people will kind of have a bit of uptake with it and, and potentially do the same thing as well. And um, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm doing that by speaking about my emotions and talking about, you know, um, I suppose the, the grief that I've gone through but also how I feel as a, as a man. I think it's, I think it's important. Mm. I agree, man. Uh, you know, like we – and you're on the inside. You know we drive – we try and drive good facts – good actions, lead and lag measures, you know, not, not that we take a corporate approach where there's just all these different charts and there's a, a shitload of acronyms. Um, we got some good ones, but, you know, we're not, we're not living in the land of just creating something because it looks cool. But, uh, you know, and, and there, is, um, there is value to them. But for us, 
we try we walk that line with okay we we want to we want to hit facts we want actions we want this and that but also as you know because you're on the inside the core or the crux of anything that's going to become reality which is driven off a series of actions is is this person connected to it or not and you're always going to be connected through an emotion like it is always going to be the emotional attachment that makes the logical pathway work always i mean you could be as logical to say if i do this i'll end up getting this job you know if i do this job i'll get this amount of money if i do this job i'll get this amount of money even if logically you choose to change jobs and have that one because more money why how will that make you feel by having the same job but a, a higher financial reward it's it's always tied back what will you do with that extra money is that an extra holiday every year for the kids or there's always man yeah. uh, i wouldn't even say a trigger i'd say an anchor point there's always an emotional anchor point that then is you know i know i talk i say ignite or spark ignites the spark of the you know if we're talking a fire inside but if you're talking an anchor point it always comes back to something that something is is the emotion so being able to check yourself reflect on that express that and and build those because this is the crazy part man life is uh, yeah i think i started with 50 percent, and then a year or two ago said 90 percent, and i think lately i've said 95 percent Man, life is fucking 99.9% skill sets. Emotions are a skill set, Nathan. Like you look, you you having that awareness of yourself as a human being and being a great human being is a skill set. Monitoring and managing your your triggers, your controls, what you do, how you talk to people, your tone out. It's crazy, isn't it, man? Like, I don't know. Like, if you want to look at performance in different things, especially sport, yeah. Muggsy Bogues is cool. We know he was a, he was a rare thing, but basketballers are generally taller. I, I get that from a genetic point of view, but in terms of um, innovating, adapting, leading, performing, it's all fucking skill sets, man. It really is. But we've forgotten that one of the greatest skill sets that can connect us because connections are through emotion, connect us to what we love most in our wife, our children, our work, our job, what we do, communities, society, and communication is a skill set. And and no one works on that though. They most men they don't. They don't work on communication or, or a skill set of understanding their own emotions, expressing them and, and, and balancing them out. And it really is a chemical balance as well. But um yeah. you know, we, we talk in um education circles around um you know why we teach what we teach. And and when you think about it, Al, we we are very content driven, we're very content heavy, and mate, there's this thing called um um, an iPhone and Siri and content is no longer king. Content is no longer, um, you know, in my eyes, the you know, the most important thing. It is skills, and you know, from a young age, we need to be we need to be teaching. You know, um, you know, kids are and in particular, um, I even go back as as early as primary school on how to be a problem solver, how to be a great communicator. Um, you know, the twenty first kind of century skills that that are, you know, what an employer essentially is is after. And and one of them is that, you know, you can communicate about emotion, I believe, and it's that, you you know, you're clear and you're concise about how you're feeling. Now, you do walk a thin line when it comes to this kind of stuff as well because you don't want to, you know, continually talk about you know, how you're feeling because there's got to be a, a kind of a point where you you get on with it and actually do something and take action on those feelings, you know. And um, but yeah, look, um, and you talk about emotional connection a little bit there too. And it's actually a really good quote by the uh, by a neuroscientist um, by the the name of Helen E. Moore Dino Yang, 
And she did some research around emotional connection to learning. Um, and here's the teacher coming through right now. Um, <laughs> but she she basically looked at um, brain activity um, and, and um, you know, what was in the way of content and what was being learnt at the time um, of the subjects. And she came to the conclusion that it's actually neurobiologically impossible to learn about things you don't care about. Now, for me, that just makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like, um, and and I'd use that 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 quote like it made it rolls off my tongue. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that I use all the time because, man, I, I you know my other role as um, uh, as a teacher, like my new my new role, um, I, I head up a student engagement team, which is the for a lot of you fellas listening, it'll be the the student services of, of school when you were at school or, you know, the, the, the welfare team or something along those lines. And maybe I help teachers understand kids with complex needs um, and, and trauma and, and things like that. And that's one of the things that I talk to them about is that I mean, they couldn't give a shit about, you know, trigonometry or they couldn't give a shit about, you know, hi- history in regards to, I don't know, medieval history. And they want to learn about, you know, the the history of the NRL or they want to learn about um, cryptocurrency um, or something that's a little bit more, you know, to their liking. And you know what? Just let them. Just let them do it because they're emotionally connected to it because you're going to absolutely pummel this, you know, trigonometry and medieval history into them. That's short-term memory. Catch you later. You're not going to retain anything and actually not teaching them anything. Um, And, look, I apply that kind of principle to, you know, I suppose my parenting. Um, but also, you know, to, to my own learning. Um, yeah. I don't go reading things I couldn't care about. I read about things that I want to learn about, you know, and, and then I retain it. So, mm. yeah, it's um, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah, man, fascinating insight there. You know, it's because it looks like you said, even though there's, there, there's this whole thing around it with, um, you know, what you mentioned, that lady's name, which seemed way too long for me to try and say it properly um, in one go. <laughs> It is really simple, isn't it? If you don't fucking care about it, you're not going to invest in it. I wonder where, you know, what I'm thinking when you say that. I'm like, how much do these men care about? Is, is it that some of these men who get caught up in the chaos of life um, don't care about their family and their wife? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's also a, a dismissing of, um, you know, how real a situation might be, which hinders them or, or creates a hesitation to learn new skills and new skill sets as well. But I understand what you're saying too, man. I agree. Like it's a it's a fine line to walk where yeah. no one should ever be a, a chronic punching bag of emotion to receive on your end. But also I see it as even though it's an emotion, um, feelings, it's your internal reality. So it's not that it isn't true. When we talk about facts, it's well, how can we connect the internal reality with the external? Because when you line both of those up, mate, that's a fucking win. Like it's a it's a tr- it's a big win, yeah. true win. Doesn't mean the inside isn't real. It doesn't mean the outside isn't real either. Like the you know the house is burning down. No, it's not. I mean, obviously that there there are some realities that that we can't as much as we try to avoid them. They do come. They do hit. We get that with men, whether it is relationships, their work, their health. You know, some health scares. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of people, mate. You know, I'm I'm not 50 years of age yet, and there's a lot of people I know that are already dead. It's crazy, man, that they were close to me, even from being a teenager up. You know, um, suicides, accidents, motorbike accidents, like it's fuck yeah, a yeah. lot, man. When I sit back, it sort of sends chills down my spine. You know, it's crazy how temporary life is, Nath. But 
but I see it as a tool. Like we've got a tool belt. It's like, okay, what's the tool for the job? So I guess my point is when it comes to building these skill sets, a big one for men being communication and emotions, when you build and develop that and, and you build that mastery in yourself as a skill set, there's transferability because you might not need to express your emotions unto others or even communicate with an, an active form. Mm. You can read and feel where others are at and you can listen, which is a form of communication. You can read the emotions, which yeah. is a form of understanding connection. So it's a really powerful thing where a lot of the times it might not be for a lot of these men and fathers, um, whether it's grief-bound or not, daily challenges or not, what they stand up and speak with, but what are they actually actively receiving and showing that? Because people aren't dumb. Like, are you, if I'm sitting here talking, uh, keep talking, Nathan, tell me about your stories in your life and, Am I actually like if your wife's trying to talk to you and I'm sitting here looking at my phone? Your phone down there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the attention. That's right. It's a podcast with me, you know. And mate, this happens all the time. Happens all the time, you know. And um, it's sad. It's sad. Like it's you know, um, be present. Show people you care, you know, and show love. Imagine if, imagine if, you know. One day we all just turned, you know, every person in the world turned to to the person next to them or near them and said something, you know, positive or, you know, um, you know, very gracious or we we kind of with one small action, um, you know, like that we change the world and and we need that we really do we've got to we've got to um, we've got to we've got to really focus on the evolution. Um, but you're you're not wrong, Al, about life being short. And, um, yeah, like uh, I kind of get scared when you say stuff like, you know, win the second half of life. And I think, fuck me, I, I don't want to hear about that right now. But, you know, I'm not quite there yet, actually. I'm not quite there. I'm seeing yeah. the first half by one year. But, um, yeah, you know, like it's, um, it, it is, it's, it's confronting. And, but how motivating to hear that too, like to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail it. I'm going to absolutely nail it. I don't want to be an absolute, you know, shredded animal when I'm when I'm 75, mate, running down the beach at Browley with my shirt off. Not nothing like David Hasselhoff, but definitely like um, you know, I want to be I want to be strong, I want to be fit, and I want to do it for my boys and and for my wife, you know. And um actually part of part of the mate, when I went to the resilience project last night, he told us a story about uh, Dusty Martin. Um you know Dustin Martin, the AFL player. Hmm. Yeah, he was he was talking about um his his journal and and it made me just think about the journal that you know RDM has and um he, he was saying that you know Dusty Martin you know sat through his presentation basically for the club and uh, the club had asked that you know a whole heap of um, his journals were available for the players and one per person and up walks Dusty Martin to collect his journal and he took ten of them he took ten journals away and. Um, uh, they're only, I think they were six-week journals um, or something along those lines, and uh, he ended up with, you know, a whole heap of journals basically. And, and um, you know, the presenter in the end didn't say anything. He just thought, oh, shit, I've just got to get some more journals. And, you know, um, w- what happened at that point was, um, you know, Dusty Martin's obviously intending to use all of these journals, and um, apparently he did. He used he, he filled out every single one of those journals and, about his feelings and about, you know, who he was and, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it made me kind of think uh, the, the stuff that, you know, RDM have on offer and, and um, 
kind of plug and, and present. It's it's all about it's all about you know growth and it's all about you know getting to a better place and where you're at and you know really discovering your potential and where you can be and you know and um, you know that was it was it was just for me like to sit through that presentation and to not actually be thinking about the presentation and what was being presented, but the application of what, you know, was like and what, what it was for me in my life. And, you know, there were different things that popped up, but RDM, man, it popped up a fair bit, you know, and um, great platform, you know, for everyone to, to really grow. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I appreciate that, man. Like going through so many books now and different journals and things I've done over the years, uh, it, it's great that you can have a level of impact and and service to people with something that they can then apply to themselves. What yeah. I really love is with us, it's like, well, how do we keep? It's why, and it's it's not disrespectful to anyone else. It's why I don't work with with women. It's why I don't work with uh, you know the elderly or grandparents or, or kids or teenagers. They're bad. They're fucking great. And essentially, if they're connected to the man we work with, well, yeah, they, they they do win. They do get a benefit. But what that's given me, Nath, over the last few years is um depth and it's not the other journals aren't good i've seen um resilience i've, I've used it i've used oh, fuck man like eight probably eight to ten very different journals from high-end business coaches to um yeah mindset motivational guys to the more um yeah, very very about gratitude and, and um and, and state and then obviously habits journals and when i look at this one man i've got this one here now it's um oh, mate it's just fucking amazing because what it is is just it's just a little spark up the world's hard enough as it is nice that it that, that we don't need to be giving ourselves shit and 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 getting the cat of nine tails out on our fucking back every day and we do it we do it through it's one of the latest episodes i did shit talking ourselves and shit talking could be your thoughts your emotions your feelings your trajectory on what you want um your gauge on whether you can do something or not and when i look at this i'm like straight away like i'm, I'm looking at wednesday First thing, rise to win. Thoughts, plans, goals. Like there's there's subtleties in here, man. And it's not, and I never claimed to be a psychologist or any of that sort of stuff. But although I've had heaps that come to me and I work with and I give them a lot of advice. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep that a that's uh that's not a plug for me, it's a plug for what you guys have taught me, which when I show, because I do, I've got psychologists, hypnotherapists, um, uh, even uh psychotherapists, but they're a little bit of a different angle, but marriage counselors, when I've connected with them and I show them what we do. That's when they're like, holy shit, like this is, this is, in, this is like, this is life coaching, but properly. Um, not that I, not that I want a bag. I've, I've got good mates who are life coaches, but yeah. it, it's properly done for the father is what they meant. Cause obviously a lot of them have worked with, as you said, around self harm and suicide. A lot of them have worked with middle aged men. And mm-hmm. I look at this man and there are little subtleties in here that a lot of guys wouldn't even know that we've tapped into these psychological leaves at pool because this has been built from you. This has been built from all of you guys, essentially. Yeah. And when I look at this, what's your most important thing? What are your key habits for this area for the month? Was it achieved today? Here's a tick box. Here's something to gauge your protein, your movement, um, alignment, self-value on the path, nourish, move, restore the body. So there's self-scoring in here. I know guys who listen to this. I'm holding it up for guys who watch the video on YouTube. But, yeah, you've, you've got a score at the end of the day. Then you've got R&R, which is reflections and revelations. And all of this together, man, it's not writing 500 words. It's probably essentially, I'd say, 60 to 100 words. That's it. So it's effective. It's checking. It's setting the declarations. It's reflecting on the actions. It's closing the day. And when you build this 
these little these little one percenters every day and you have something to to work with uh, whether it's the book and obviously an online platform but i love that book because it it can't do anything else except exactly what it should be doing right yeah, whereas yeah. a phone a phone can be lots of different environments and uses it it really does um because I love you know, um, Hugh and, and I've gone through his book, The Resilience Project, and he's got a new one out and great stuff, man, like amazing stories and, and, and the impact they have. And I look at this, I'm like, fuck, this is – this shit really is the next level for forefathers and, and it gives them the, the tools to, uh, to to create, you know, a, a stronger connection to life, everything that's, we've spoken yeah. about. That's the next thing for you, mate, is, you know, stand up, you know, up at a, um, a theatre or the Enmore or something like that and you can get on stage and – Sell some tickets and uh, yeah, mate, I'll be there. I'll be. There. I'll, I'll, I won't even heckle you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> look, um, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I'll just go back to because now I remember my point. All right, so <laughs> I, I was talking about Dusty, and then I forgot, and then I thought oh, I'll quickly, you know, add something else in here. And anyway, so here's here's the bit. He actually filled out those ten journals and then messaged or rang, you know, Hugh and said. Oh look, um, you know, I finished guys some more. Um, and and you know, Hugh had no idea who he was um at that point. Like he's messaging him, you know, kind of randomly. And um he figured out who it was and he ended up telling him he had a six-month journal, and that would have been helpful in the beginning instead of a six-week journal. Um, but you know, he he said that Dusty Martin actually came out and and mentioned that he doesn't like journaling. And I was like, oh, that, that's weird. Why has he filled it out, you know, for, for six months straight? Like really, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment, you know, kind of thing. And um, the response that Hugh actually mentioned on stage was that, that he doesn't do that for himself. He does it for the people that, he, you know, that love him um, because, you know, um, when he does it, he's at his best um, and that journaling and, and you know, goal setting and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, he obviously does it for him a, a little bit, but, you know, the majority of it was for his for his family, for his the people that love him. And um, that made me think that's that's so true. Like the actions we take and the, the path we choose may not be the path that we desire, but it is sometimes the path that's best for the people we love. Um, and it made me reflect, um, you know, at the start of the podcast, people always wouldn't have heard this, but Al was asking if I was the deputy principal. Um, and and I, I was going to say, yeah, definitely. I'm, a, I'm actually a principal, Al, you know, and uh, let him know, you know, spin him a little lie. But um, no, I'm not. I'm not a deputy principal. And um, I'd love to be one. Um, I've been ranked as a deputy principal in, in interview and um, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a deputy principal, but my family's not ready for me to do it, all right? So I choose not to um, be where I want to be because I love my family and I don't want to miss out on things, you know, like um, I don't want to miss out on swimming in the afternoon when the boys go swimming and, and they go up a level or, you know, I don't, I don't want to miss out on um, sitting down and having dinner together as a family and that kind of stuff and in, in those higher level roles you kind of wed yourself to and and that's not where I want to be but it made me think you know um I'm not you know um my time will come um obviously you know I've been ranked as one um but it's not 
I'm doing what I'm doing now, A, because I love it, because I love my family, you know what I mean? And I think that's important um, as a bloke to note. Um, you know, we can be quite career-driven um, and, and um, sometimes we need to reconsider those things to, to be what's, what's best for everyone around us. Mm, I agree, man. Um, it's a great point and, and a great share. You know, everything that's connected to us is connected to us in life. So when I see, not when I see, when I when I say the things like if you sacrifice at the, at the cost of yourself for the family, you're sacrificing the family, I always add, because that's a saying of mine, of ours, and it has a word in there before that which says chronic. If you're sacrificing at the chronic cost of yourself for the family, because you know what, there are plenty of times where we can, will, and should make these little sacrifices that we do. I agree with you, man. There's, there's times when, you know, I, w- I would love to get an extra training session in and, and maybe be that over a period of time. I mean, I'm in good shape, but maybe be 2% leaner in body fat. Does that mean I miss dinner with the kids? Does that mean Corinne um, mm. has the extra stress of going to pick and Lillian up from daycare so I can get an extra session in here? And it's so w- when when we look at being a true 100% for yourself, so you can be 100% for your family sometimes what will top you up to being that 100% is the fulfillment of what you encompass as a father when you put that hat on as a husband as a man and it takes away some of those choices where yeah similar to yourself man it's definitely not in a, in a light which I'm sure people are aware of given I've got a, a big coaching team and I you know we really look after them well and everything gets reinvested back to getting this this RDM ranch one day I could make a fuckload more money right now, man, but I wouldn't see my children grow up and, and, and I wouldn't. And there's plenty of time when they're older, especially if this continuously builds, and I'd rather do it that way. And 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 maybe from one area, there's a percentage and the percentage is less in terms of from a business point of view and a look at profits. But what the fuck does that even mean one day, mate? I know I've got the skill sets, the ambition and growth and what I do that, you know, moving through into my 50s, it's a fucking given, man. Like even if I didn't do something like this, the the awareness you have when you continually seek, like you said, a growth growth coaching or that that growth towards life, the opportunities are there, man. You you are in high demand because it's not just who can tick boxes or fill in content. It's who has the skills, who can connect, who can add value. Just like what you're talking about before with with your you know the curriculum and stuff with schools. Like okay, here's the content, but can the teacher? articulate and develop those connections to the children for it to be seen of value and then received like that's that's where people you know uh it's crazy people think teachers get 12 weeks of holiday a year and i said my wife's a primary teacher like and you obviously know there's fucking way more that goes on after 3 p.m and into late nights and through the school holidays and you know and, and this isn't this isn't a session about bagging people who bag teachers or, or, or anything everyone chooses a way to work and, and most people do work hard in life but it, it's it's the it's the value behind how things are connected and delivered that yeah. creates the true connection, man. Um, whether it's relationships, works, job opportunities, you had that foresight and saw it. It's, um, it's powerful, man. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, yeah, definitely interesting. So, now you want to talk about the uh, the gym? What do you reckon? <laughs> Did you, we haven't even spoken. That's right, man. You run a gym as well, mate. Jeez, you, you don't muck around. Um, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, man, because I, I know you, you've, you've told me a bit about it and showed me some some of what you're doing. Like I said, the MyZone stuff is epic, but I guess, yeah, like 
when, like, how did you slot? Obviously, health and fitness is, is a key point to to a man's life and, and having the ability to perform and that energy to back it up. But where, where did all this come into? Like, you know, getting 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 a gym, starting that business, having that, you know, being as one of one recognizes one of the you know the best services in in Canberra as well. Um, you know, it's it's pretty cool, man. Like what what's what happened there to for you to go, this is this is what we want to do with working with yeah. people in, in this area. Yeah, so mate, uh, it was two thousand and eight. We, I um, uh, was when I went through my divorce, and I just felt like I needed to keep my mind busy. Um, obviously, yeah, I had a sport background, all that kind of stuff. So I thought, oh well, I'll go, you know, do a, a personal training course, um, and yeah, just went from there. And um, yeah, look, I did. It was pretty. It was, wasn't very rigorous the course um you know you could you could get kind of get through quite easy and um especially with the sports background you kind of it's your bread and butter you're able to understand this kind of stuff and so yeah look i um went and um yeah finished the course and then and just kicked it off from there uh put it on hold when we traveled uh, and then came back and really gave it a kick in the guts and um started uh i think i was, I was probably about three months in after we got back from, from traveling in 2012. And, um, I put on free staff, um, just real kind of casual rates, just contracting and it just, it grew. And the, the biggest thing I did, um, was, I don't know if you remember, you know, Groupon and living social, remember those little coupon there, yeah. they were, they were an absolute, they went gangbusters. Um, but I did a living social deal and, um, didn't think it'd sell really well. It was $19 for five sessions. Uh, go, go figure you, you make no money off this stuff it's all about collecting emails and that kind of stuff and so that's what I did and um, I had 132 132 people bought that and then I shit my pants um, and didn't know what to do because I was like how am I going to service this many people with with the amount of staff I've got and so we'd split it into two time slots and um, it just grew from there. We, we remained outdoors. We're an outdoor company. Um, company's called Define Fitness Canberra. Um, and, yeah, we ended up just gradually building over time and um, it kind of got to approximately about five years ago uh, where I kind of thought, look, um, you know, we need to develop our niche a bit more and um, along came the NDIS um, and I registered as an NDIS provider um, and really um, have evolved that service delivery a whole lot uh, to the point where, you know, we do a lot of work with people who have disabilities um, and we, we work on the 20 components of fitness, not the 11 uh, components of fitness because there's 11 physical components of fitness. I talk about like speed, power, agility, that kind of stuff. Um, but there's also nine components of mental fitness, um, and and I have a really strong belief that um, we need to be you know, mindfully fit. And I talk about you know being mindfully fit in the fact that we need to be mindful to move our body because you know from a physiological point of view, if we don't move, we're like an old rusty car um, in the in the paddock. We'll, we'll rust up, and then when you go to get it moving again, it's it's bloody hard to get that moving again because you'll be seized up, you know. So we're built to move. Um, and then importantly, the we also need to be um, exercising our mind um, and we do that, you know, at 
with, um, with, with my business through connection to community. Um, and we go out and we, we have fun and we enjoy things and uh, we assist personal activities. We, we uh, you know, we build capacity in um, community participation. Um, and, yeah, look, we, we've really gone on to, to develop that niche. Um, I would have been uh, 2019. I, um, this is probably my greatest claim to fame in business. Um, was that we were uh, the final, only health and wellbeing business left in the Telstra Small Business Awards for the whole country, um, which placed us in the top 0.24% of businesses Australia-wide um, that applied. So we were, you know, down to the last 150 of about 25,000 businesses that are, you know, were part of that award scheme. And, um, yeah, we didn't take it out. And um, I had a few frothies at the, the awards night and, and I went up to the, the judges and I said, um, I was really, really organic. Um, and I said, <laughs> why didn't I win? <laughs> and um, they actually came back and said that, um, actually, I did it in a nice way, obviously. I was like, oh, look, I just want to know why, why we didn't win, you know, what we can do to, to improve that kind of stuff. And they said, hey, the hardest thing about you guys is that you're across too many categories. Like you would have come second in all categories, so we, so we needed to develop further. You know what I mean, and really kind of dial in a bit more, and than we have done. Um, I've got a, about eleven staff um, that, that work for me um, during the day, during the when I'm at school, um, and I've got a great great team. And uh, yeah, look, it's you know, we're just growing exponentially. Um, it's good fun. It's unreal, man. Um, it would be very rewarding seeing too, like that you're adopting the 20. Yeah, if, if we're looking at working with disabilities, yeah, of course, they're disabled. There's a physical element that we want to try and create uh, movement, strength, symmetry, all of the above. But ultimately, what is that directly linked to? Of course, man, their mindset, their mind state, where they're at. So it's, I could see that being, you know, critical and even if these guys don't have injuries, a lot of fathers who come to us or a lot of fathers as they move through their 40s and 50s are disabling themselves because they're chronically fucking not moving, man. Their, yeah. their hip flexors are fucked, which means their back pain's through the roof. And it's like, man, you're, like you said, you are, you are rusting up and you may not have something as specific or unique as probably uh, the clients you work with in terms of, um, you know, a, a, a legitimate disability, but these guys just, like I said, we're born to move, man. And if we don't, if we're not using it, um, it's not even a fact of losing it. You don't use it, you lose it. It's a fact of it. It, it will turn on you and it crushes you. <laughs> it will make you work. It happens. Yeah. Um, we talk about here in Canberra. Um, well, I do. I hope everyone else does too. But uh, <laughs> um, it's called the Canberra Curse uh, because we're a public service heavy town. Uh, you can imagine a lot of people are sitting down and live a sedentary life and, Mate, uh, sitting there typing away at their computer, they have, um, you know, inactivity in their body. They don't really move. And, you know, um, the Canberra curse is that you end up sitting for a long period of time, you shorten your hip flexors, um, you know, and you end up with a, um, overactive hip flexors. So those of you who don't know, your hip flexors are kind of at the anterior or the front of your body, the little violin string that sits below your hip bone. Um, and and um, there's, there's a few things in there that really tighten up when you sit for longer periods of time. And, you know, um, as a public servant, that's what happens. And, 
And then they go to stand up and, oh, if they go, they get up off their chair, Al, and as, as you'd know, they're, they're like my back sore, my lower back sore. Why is my lower back sore? And it's alignment. They're out of alignment and um, they end up with a, what's called an anterior hip tilt um, and, and they don't use their ass because they sit on it all day. But they, they find it hard to really um, activate their glutes. And I'm sure yourself and Swaney are well aware of um, – uh, fathers that have this as well and uh, you know i guarantee you there's a fair few of us within the group that it, you know have probably got underactive glutes um and and um yeah look in the end um we see a lot of that and they don't i say that nearly in every client i work with it's unreal um and it's it's due to the, the way we've evolved we've almost almost gone backwards like you know when it comes to anatomy and physiology um you know, but it's it's interesting. It really is interesting. Um, yeah, so there's, there's an article on me. Canberra Curse, look it up, boys. Um, yeah, Canberra <laughs> Times. Curse. Canberra Times, uh, they, they asked me about it. So they actually <laughs> interviewed me. I'm not kidding. It's on there. <laughs> Google it. We'll make that we'll make that the picture for this episode, mate. We'll pop it up there. <laughs> Canberra Curse. Uh, shit. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, very true, man. Yeah, you know, it cracks me up when people say they've got tight glutes and that's the – I'm like, no, 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 you're not even fucking using them. This is the problem, your hip flexors. And even where they become and turn into your zoas, it attaches to your spine. So not only do you lack alignment, but you're actually compressing the lower discs of your spine. It's it's, it's savage. Um, I feel that, man, you know, from, from running gyms and walking 13 to 15 Ks a day because I would I'd clock up 20,000 steps and obviously instructing and, and training myself to sitting down a, a fair bit. But yeah, you do a good, you do a good realignment, which includes some hip flexor work and maybe some trigger points. Sometimes it's, it, that's the thing. It can get you quick, but if you have the right tools and people around you, you can, you can undo it and, and, and reestablish some sort of symmetry or normality again as well. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. really special, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty special that you're doing that, Nath. Um, what a great what a great service to the community, man. Like it's um yeah, I really really love that. What's what's the um I've enjoyed this episode, mate. It's been a very powerful one in, in a lot of different ways. Very unique. Um, and they all are with the guests we have on, but this is this has covered a fair few things that I I guess I I don't really normally talk about either. But it, it just as important when we're looking at. Uh, core things society as a whole other people being a great human um yeah you know what's what's uh what's on the cards man i do appreciate obviously in this in this episode man that you've, you've shared your, your personal experiences with us and and you enjoy what you're doing with us and we're building for for a great year next year but i'm i love for you just a, probably two things on some final thoughts man first one is um yeah what's what's next for nathan you know what does that look like for you is there is there a bit of a a guide or or or, you know, a North Star that you sort of think this is what I want to get or achieve or do or desire in 2022. And then, um, then after that, mate, I guess, you know, final thoughts or advice or for, for fathers out there struggling or some key mindset or piece of advice you think that they, they benefit from, man, in, in your terms or your words. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, um, 2022 for me is uh, I, I really want to connect more with the people around me and, and, um, I want to show gratitude, Al. I talk about gratitude in my temples and tabs a lot um, because I haven't got it. I quite haven't nailed it. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I, I want to show true gratitude. And what I mean by, by, by that is that I suppose 
I want a penny drop moment. It's going to happen. It'll happen to me one day and, and I'm hoping it is in 2022, but uh, I don't want to be, you know, searching for, you know, that gracious moment or that moment where, you know, um, I don't want to be creating it. You know what I mean? I want to, I want it to just happen. Um, where I suppose a good example is, you know, um, the other day, um, the boys, my boys were having a, having a moment, you know, there was Bo and Fletch who were just, you know, cutting sick and, and Sonny doing his little twisty kind of Looney Tunes, um, Tassie Devil effort. And uh, it was mayhem and one of the boys pushed the other one and, and um, you know, he fell over and um, I looked at Claire and I thought, I'm cooked. I'm absolutely cooked. Are you going to deal with this is my thought? And um, because I was, I was absolutely, you know, busted and, and she just started crying, you know, and I was worried about her and then they all started crying and, and I actually thought to myself, um, gee, I, gee, I wish my um, Claire's mum and dad were here right now or you know, my, my parents were here. Um, and and that, that for me was kind of that, that moment, you know, where it made me think, you know, um, you know, that that's a that's a moment where I really love them and and, and I'm I'm grateful for what they do. You know what I mean? So I kind of want more of that to happen in my life, that that organic realization. Um and but I don't want to chase it, you know, so that's important. Um I'd like to to uh kind of delve into a little bit more mindfulness uh for 2022 and um you know, I, I really want to focus on on my morning and night routines. Um, you know, I, I talk about mindfulness in being that like I like I don't mind running. Um, I actually find that when I run, that is mindfulness for me. That allows time and space, um, and I think and I reflect and I. But but I also take in my surrounds. Um, well, I, I don't know if I shared this the other day. I went for a, a 10K run um, and, you know, it was pissing rain and it was the, the most beautiful thing I've done in a while because of the the rain falling on my face. I could hear frogs. I could hear, you know, water. It was just it was really nice and I, I kind of took note of that and it made me think that, that you know, I've got to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, nighttime and bedtime routines. I've got a, a poor habit of staying up too late. Um, and, and really kind of trying to finish things or, you know, tick things off. And, um, you know, some, some, hour, some days I'm pulling five hours sleep and that's, that's not good for my body. Um, so I want to really focus on that. We've got some, um, some, some sleep issues with our kids as well, so it's, it's a bit hard. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but I, I've got to do what I can do when it comes to that stuff, um, and that's, that's about, you know, being organised and, and, and planned, um, you know, before bed and, and then also in the morning. Made a, one of the best things I've done recently is the breath work. Absolutely love it. Like it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, one of my um, most important things this, this week was around family and that was to, to do my breath work with my children um, and, and get the boys involved and, the Sonny loves it. The other two think I'm I'm a weirdo, but um, you know, Sonny actually he joins in. He thinks it's hilarious. So yeah, we we've, we've been doing that together. Um, yeah, so they're kind of the 
the, the kind of the micro goals for me and and um i think the big macro is that um i want my relationship to be uh, better with my wife you know and i love it to pieces and i'll do anything for her and and look i'm um i'm on that path but i'm not there you know what i mean and but then the question is where where is there you know um so it's all it's all um it's all about the journey and and uh you know that that's that's where I want to be. Um, is is in a, a very good and um, positive place with Claire, and and also you know um, those micros. So that that's twenty twenty two for me. Um, there's other things, you know, you, you know, business. I want to I want to have a, a better culture within my business, and um, I want to solidify um, the team that I lead at school to be a, a high high performing team as well. Um, which is where we're at. We just need to make sure we're, we're better again. Um, uh, and, yeah, I suppose last thoughts, you know, for me is that um, it's, it's – I'll go back to it ain't weak to speak. Um, and, and I really, really would love the, the fellas who are listening to, to do that, um, whether it's talking to a friend, talking to, you know, um, your other – your other half, your partner, um, talking to whoever, it's it's important to talk. And um, you know, it's it's probably the most profound thing that I've learned in in uh, more recent times is that um speaking, you know, about yourself and and about, you know, um what you've experienced and things, it, it actually enables a, you know an evolution within yourself that and a realization um of where you're at and and it actually helps you align where you want to be and where you want to go to so um for those who are you know that that kind of hard-ass bloke out there that um is bottling things up it's not it's not the case like you know that um no one wants to hear you or no one wants to um you know listen to what you've got to say there's always someone there who can who you can talk to and um and I, I really make sure that you know you reach out to someone and um because in the end it, it can be something that, that really is your undoing and, and you don't want that um we're all high performance fathers in here um and and it's important that we remain um at a high level um and i think that that um talking is very important when it comes to that yeah couldn't agree more men um yeah, it is. It's what really connects and initiates what's going on inside us. Whether you call it a brain or your mind, your heart to others, just like we're doing here now, just like you guys are listening to or watching this now. Um, you know, the, the words you speak, unless you're on your, nah, sorry, not unless you're on your own, but even if you are on your own, they're always received. The question is, whose ears are receiving them, and what are you speaking? Um, if and then also probably the bigger question is, are you even doing that? Like Nate said, it ain't weak to speak. Um, great, great point, man, and, and an amazing one to finish on. Like I said, I've, I've really enjoyed this podcast episode. And, you know, I guess for a lot of guys who may be bottling things up, like you said, think of it this way. Actually, this will be a good coaching piece on one of our Sunday charge-ups. Imagine, imagine a pendulum swinging and it swings one side is facts and the other side is feelings. And it's a pendulum. It should always just swing. But unfortunately, we either put ceilings or we chalk down the, the sides where 
it'll swing and the fucker gets stuck and then it's just stuck on the side of facts for so long where the men are like a spade's a spade, fucking black and white, and they become so so binary in their approach that they don't realise the trauma they're causing inside. But I'll tell you what, sooner or later, the crack in that ceiling that that big fucking spike of the pendulum's caused is eventually going to break free. And when it swings back the other way, things will be blown apart, and they always are, and they always that was always be that was that was exactly me. That was what happened with my with grief. That's exactly what happened. You know, I just bottled it up, didn't do anything about it, and then the pendulum um, released. And um, yeah, God, it was a, it was a it, it was a release as well. It was, a, but also a relief. You know, and um, thank thank God it happened. Eh? Like it's it, it, you know because um, I, I couldn't go on that path any longer. It's, uh, it wasn't good for me um, and um, it needed to happen for, for my family, you know, and yeah. um, thank God it did, yeah. Yeah. Mate, man. Uh, I've got buddy Mick Killingham here, um, Zach Mason, uh, all these boys on the attack on this um, here. I've got about, uh, what are we, I don't know what we're talking about, but I tell you what, I, I love the feed. The the uh, the chat. It's um oh the chat on your phone's going off. Oh mate, it's intense. <laughs> intense. Um and uh, yeah yeah. Sorry, I forgot we're on video there too. We're actually not on video. It's a bloody podcast. But yeah, look um yeah, yeah. the stuff that's come through is is unreal. Um, I picked up an aura ring too, boys. Uh, yeah, loving it, loving it. I, I, the funny thing, I'm trying to get to 100 percent readiness. Um, I just can't get there. Um, have you ever hit that, Al? <laughs> With myself. Uh, uh, no fucking way, hundred percent. That's um. Look for me, anything above anything above eighty three for sleep, yeah. and mate, I dominate the day. And then readiness when I hit the nineties, unstoppable. Look, I enjoy coffee. I love coffee. I enjoy the Mojo Arrow Natural Supplement. But honestly, when I have that, if I get a readiness in the readiness eighty eight and above, and sleep eighty two and above. Mate, I'm just—I just don't need anything. I'm fucking charging, man. And look, it's—it's it, it's rare, um, only because I've got the, the kids with their sleep, what they're going through, five, two, and one. But, but also, um, probably something that's, uh, you know, not not different to yourself. I mean, there's, there's people who would have worse morning and night routines than you. But generally, for me, what has saved me is my morning and night routines are like fucking bang on, man. They have to be, otherwise, I just—I I would crumble. I could not do, you know. Um, and I know, ironically, that sounds funny, even though guys will listen to this at all points of the day that you and me are recording this at, at night time. But, um, yeah, where we are right now, man, I would have by now had the nighttime tea, hit the sack, had our night rider. Um, for those who don't know, that's what our nighttime tea is called, hit the sack. I would have had that and then had our night rider, um, done my little breath work and routine, and it, you know, it takes hardly anything. I reduce the light. You know, I do have blue light glasses and that sort of stuff, and I do enjoy them, but, you know, I'm, I'm not – I'm not making that a complete solid yet. Um, can do, but I'm I'm cautious. You know, I'm not crazy with technology, but um, yeah, man, the, the ring is good. The ring is good to track some of those key things. Um, yeah, it really is. I enjoy what we do because it it does help us, like you said, bring out that competitive nature, man. Um, I think Maydab was uh, texting me earlier saying that he's got one, and um, I'm just gonna I'll lay the challenge down. I reckon I, I can pull an 80 tonight, Maydab. And uh, when you when you listen to this, you've got to do one as well when it comes to readiness, hey? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sounds good. Who can, I love it, man. Who can sleep the best? You know, I yes. love that challenge. How good's that? Yeah. We we 
we had that in uh you're coming towards you came in during during winter wars but the, the very start i think in june was um one of the badges to be earned was uh was captain snooze who had the longest and the best quality sleep and um it was cool, man. It was actually a real different spin for challenges because it got a lot of guys who obviously only one can win that, but a lot yeah. of guys uh, improved their morning. And, well, their morning improved, but they improved their night routines and that led to good sleep, good night routines, and then their morning improved because they, they woke up better. But, yeah, that was pretty cool, the Captain Snooze badge we had um, yeah. Yeah, for the guys. But that, that's what I love about the challenges and what we do on the inside too because the, the boys, are, you know, they're, they're pretty tight, um, you know, and they, they, they love it. But awesome having, awesome having you on, man. I really appreciate, you know, this this episode as a whole. I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this. Uh, I certainly did, and it really peppered home a few things. I made some notes here because I always do. I jot down some notes and, and I apply them to our coaching because the best thing is not necessarily just knowing the answers. A lot of you guys listening or watching to a degree do know uh, a lot of the answers. It's bringing it back to the surface and remembering it and making sure you stick it there, like fucking pin it there, man. This is important. Don't 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 let it just sift back through the sand. Let it let it fucking sit front and center. Because um, even those things about gratefulness and and speaking in comms, it's yeah, it's imperative, man. Appreciate appreciate you, Nathan. Appreciate you jumping on and give us the time as well, man. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's good good to be on and. If uh, any of the boys want to reach out and have a chat at any time, make sure you do. Um, but, yeah, go dominate, fellas. Um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy your week. 1,000 minutes a day. It's a lot. But when you're wasted on shit that doesn't serve you or move yourself or your family forward, you are bleeding the most valuable resource that you and I never get back. How much time do you think you have? And how much quality do you think you've had? Don't be a fool like the masses, thinking you'll cheat the system or get round to it one day or worse, just accepting life and sinking back into a slumber of regret. This is your moment, your time. You're cut from a different cloth. You have the hunger and desire to be more and live more. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So stand up, find the golden nuggets in this episode you just listened to and align immediate action with them and where you want to go. You are worthy. This is your life. You are the king. And this is your kingdom. Now go and claim it by showing, not telling. And be the real leader you and I both know you were born to be.